Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. I can't believe it's Omicron season already. I still have my Delta decorations up. (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners from Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening has gotten very popular. And we've noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips. A fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down. Hey, Christy. Hi, Edith. <laughs> I'm like a bundle of nerves over I here. I know, because we couldn't decide who was going to start first. I know. Now I'm a bundle of nerves. Well, well I started first. You so did. You did a really good job. <laughs> I said, hi, Christy, just you like know, that. You know, sometimes the beginning is just about starting, Edith. Yeah, you're so right. You just got to jump in. We should thank somebody. Yes. We have a, a new patron. Uh, we want to thank Dave B. from Chicago <gasps> for being a member of the Garden Party. From Chicago. And he is throwing a couple bucks a month to Upside Down Tulip to support the work we do because he thinks, he, as he said, he thinks we're funny and he likes garden info. Oh, that's so excellent. You know, speaking of um, one of the things how we like to keep this funny, I have some some since it's the end of the Persephone period, uh-huh. we got two more days to go. That's right. So to only two more days, and the our sun, Persephone period ends on January twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. The sun will come back a little more than it has been. So anyway, I call these my amuse bouches. Oh, nice! Isn't that nice? Amuse bouche is now you act. You know it's. Like a little, um, like appetizer, right? It's a teeny appetizer. A teeny appetizer yeah. to to thrill your mouth. Is that right? <laughs> to oh amuse. <laughs> oh, oh my God, eat it. What is it to amuse your mouth? Um, sure. Yeah, both okay. are good. Okay, so <laughs> so here we go. Okay. Yes, Edith, please. Yes. Okay. Uh, thrill my mouth. I'm ready in anticipation. Okay. This is from George Carlin. Okay. If it's true that our species is alone in the universe, then I'd have to say that the universe aimed rather low and settled for very little. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I miss George Carlin. Oh, I miss him too. I miss him. I miss Betty White. I miss so many people. Yeah. Oh, I heard a great quote about Betty White the other day. What? Um, Everything gets better in age, except bananas, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Did she say that? That's so funny. Okay, okay. while we're on the topic, here's one from Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Accept who you are unless you're a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) It's good that we can laugh about almost anything, huh, Christy? Yeah, well, you know, and I love true crime, so. And you, yes, you do. Now, Christy, um, the other thing I wanted to tell you, now look look at me looking for my papers again. Gosh darn it. Why don't you talk for a while? (laughs) My papers. Can we talk about all the piles of paper that you have, Edith. I just, huh? I got it. I got it. I okay, got it. Good okay, job. I got it. I oh, got you it. mean the it. piece of paper that I'm sorry, Edith, that was just right in front of you? Yeah. Oh, did you have to do that? Yes, it was exactly <laughs> right in front of me, on top of the pile. Yes, it was. Okay. So this, Christy, this is great, and this is kind of related to gardening. Oh, so, good, because you know what? What? This is a gardening podcast, right? A musée bouche. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
so it's good. Okay. We talk about something that has to do with gardening. Okay, good. It, yeah. And other things. Okay. So this is, you know how newspapers make corrections? They make corrections on something that they wrote the day before. Yes. Usually I understand right away why they did. Now, this one is from The Guardian from London from this past August. This is what they corrected it to. Okay. Okay. Harvesting the seed of a favorite plant is one of gardening's great pleasures. Okay. We've talked about that. Yeah. This was the original. Harvesting your own seed is one of gardening's favorite pleasures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my my goodness. That's a muse something else. (laughs) You know, that is, one would say that could... Some may consider that to be a gratifying headline. Yes. Yes, one could. <laughs> Thank you. Isn't that great, though? I mean, I love the English language. That That's one of the reasons I, I was really taken with this. Okay, what else? What We're else? talking about this week, more winter sewing. That's the best thing ever. So last week, we repeated our episode on winter sewing take out your jugs, and learn how to winter sew, mm-hmm. where we kind of went over the basics of it. Mm-hmm. But now we're taking a deeper dive into it yes. and kind of going through frequently asked questions, especially because you winter sewed for the first time last year, so you can share your experience too. Yes, yes, indeed. Be- before we go there, though, Christy, I have learned some really interesting things this past week. Do you have week. some musings? Because we really don't have a garden update this week, I know, do no we? garden update. This is really, really interesting stuff that's actually changed my mind about things. This is from a gardener who moved from Brighton Beach, from Brighton, England, and he moved to Wales because all he wants to do is garden. So he has been vigorously organic gardening and finding things out. He says that he leaves his plant as many as he can He leaves his plant roots in the ground so as not to disturb the soil and microbial activity within. That reminds me, Christy, you know, I'll take out those huge broccoli plants and everything Mm -hmm. and almost fall on my butt every time. I don't have to do that. You could leave them in until the spring? Yes. No, leave them in. Just leave them in. You know, that's a really interesting, that's that's very interesting because... Like, I'll have giant sunflowers, uh-huh. tomato plants, uh-huh. and I will rip mine out, but I think, and I think there's some merit to leaving them in all winter, but I think yes. if I left them in in the spring, yeah. I wouldn't have room to plant stuff. Just the root. We're not talking about the plant. You can, you leave the root, cut off the plant. Yeah, but I think I always kind of like dig, you mm, know what I mean, when yeah. I put things in. And- well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because it makes total sense to me. I take the root. And the plant, and I put it on the compost. I do too. Why not leave it in the ground where it's composting all the time? That's a great point. And you know, I usually plant seeds or little tiny seedlings, so I don't really think it would... Well, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Let's find out what happens. Because you're right, because broccoli, is, it's, the yeah. roots in that are so huge. Yeah. and when Sunflowers it's, too. Uh, here's the other thing he said. And you know, you and I have discussed not using like miracle growing stuff. Outside. Outside. Yep, I use it inside, though. He Well, that's why your plants are alive and mine are dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. He just, he, he puts it in a way that I've never heard it. He says, I don't use fertilizer for hungry Mediterranean fruits like tomatoes. It makes them needy for more and stops their roots seeking out natural resilience through symbiotic relationships with underground fungi. 
it's everything happens under the soil, doesn't it, Edith? Doesn't that make sense, Christy? Yeah, I even think about it now with it being winter, uh-huh. and how how much activity is happening. Yes, that we don't even know about. It's totally alive under there. Yeah, and of course he says that he makes his own compost from all the things you know, chicken poop, mm. borage, nettles, all that stuff. The final thing that I want to tell you that he does is, it's called. Um, Free planting. It's how they planted in the medieval times, apparently, mm-hmm. which is, remember I told you in when we were talking about planting, that I was going to start making rows for the first time? Yes. Rather so than you make, can help your watering. Right. Rather than make a row of tomatoes and a row of peppers, free planting means that you intersperse. You can have tomato, you can have a pepper, you can have, that way it confuses the insects. It, the 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 blight we get on tomatoes might stick to just one plant doesn't won't go from tomato to tomato oh interesting because I always do tomato town I know I, I put all my I tomatoes always together group my stuff together too in patches yeah but I don't think I'm I think I'm going to try this this year that it's interesting when you have to think about rotating your garden because you have to make really good notes then and he said where everything he is. said you don't have to rotate because it's very unlikely that you will. That you will put the same things oh, in the same... Oh, that's amazing. Now, that sounds amazing to if me. If anybody and out there does that, will you write to us and let please. us know? Free gardening, not putting things in groups. You know, it's interesting because, you know, we 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 want to group things. We, we want, want a herd, group or really a, strong lines. We want to yeah. herd mm-hmm. our vegetable garden. And what he's suggesting yeah. is free range it. Yeah. He's a, <laughs> it's called polyculture. Oh, and he said it's been done, it was done hundreds of years ago, and for some reason we got away from it. I think I'm going back to it, Christy. That sounds amazing. That's I like be, that. Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting experiment. I had mixed things together before, just because that's just where I had room, and I just went, mm-hmm. oh, I want a little bit of carrots, or I want a little bit of beets, and uh-huh. I've just kind of, but I actually, I do put them in a row, though. Yeah. It's going to mm-hmm. be, it, it'll be fun. It'll actually be really fun to see what comes up where. And... um the final thing that I want to talk about, Christy, do I have time? I have four minutes. Yay! <laughs> this is the, one of the most interesting things I've ever read. This is in, in India, in a place where it's the about the wettest place on the earth. They make living bridges. Have you ever heard of a living bridge? Is, that, is it similar to when you've talked about living buildings? Not quite. Okay. It is literally, you make a bridge from a fig tree. You take a seedling, oh, you plant that it on so beautiful. one bank. You take another seedling, you plant it on the opposite bank. Now, this takes like 10 years, Christy, because first of all, the fig trees grow up, and then they grow um, what they call arterial or daughter roots. So there's roots in the ground holding it tight, but then these other roots come out, and that is what the people, they take... And this is like after 10 years, after it's grown, they take the roots and they either put it on bamboo or wood or put them together. They put them together and then the roots like knot around each other. Uh huh. They get stronger as they go. They don't rot. You know, you have bridges made of steel. They rust. Wood rots, but That's a so living cool, bridge. Because when you said that, I originally thought you probably meant like the trees would bend together to become a bridge, but it's the roots it's that come the together. It's the roots. These these are um, 
They're absolutely, they're beautiful. Oh, let's I, find a picture of that and put it on our Facebook page. Oh, that's a great it. idea because they're, they're absolutely beautiful. So it takes decades to complete. Some of the, some of them are 20 yards long. Some of them are so stable that they have flagstones. The, the people put flagstones in the bridge. Oh, that's cool. And they've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. I saw somebody in Facebook that in our neck of the woods that was asking questions about fig trees. I really? thought, can we grow a fig tree in zone 5B? Wow. Well, this particular fig tree is called Ficus elastica because its roots can be malleable. Mm, they can years. be manipulated. Gardeners have the most patience, don't they, Edith? Yes, they do. And this is also like a blueprint of what is possible going forward fighting fighting climate change. Things like this are possible. One of the articles I read said, if we could figure out a way to canopy over a road using these giant trees. Now, now what could be better than that? And how beautiful. And how beautiful. How really beautiful. And don't forget, folks, if you want to become a member of the Garden Party, just click on the link in our show notes. And if you want to, if there are any words or terms you don't understand, just go to our website for the funny and informative Upside Down Dictionary at UpsideDownTulips.com or click on the link in our show notes. And we have fun stuff on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Um, do you know, Edith, that this Saturday... January 29th yes. is National Seed Swap Day. Oh, no, I did not realize. So if you have a, a seed exchange, seed swap, uh -huh. it's a great time to um, swap some seeds with your friends. And so let me know, Edith, what kind of seeds you want. Foxglove. I'm happy to share some Thank with you. you. And you yeah. let me know what you want. Okay? Viraflav spinach. <laughs> The one thing I don't have. Great. Well, I'm going to order foxglove seeds, so. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, okay. I got to yeah, order. Okay, okay I'll some. order and I'll give you some yeah, too. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah. switch. Okay. And also on Saturday. Yeah. Is National Curmudgeon Day. Oh, and we love our curmudgeons. Because it's one of the categories of being a garden party member. Uh -huh. Our most frugal category. Uh -huh. Two bucks a month to yeah. be a member of the garden party. Yeah. And uh, so we like to celebrate National Curmudgeons Day. Thank you to all the curmudgeons out there. You consider yourself a curmudgeon, don't you, Edith? I kind of am, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of am. I, I, I am indeed. Maybe a smidgen. I'm a smidgen of a curmudgeon. <laughs> am I not? And I understand that you wrote a wonderful pod play for us. Yes, a brand new pod play this week celebrating National Curmudgeons Day. And here it is. Call to order the Society of Curmudgeon's annual banquet in this year of our sourness on this day, January 29th, also known as National Curmudgeon's Day, a day to celebrate grumpiness and when we are permitted to be as miserable and as grouchy as we like. Garrett, peace, Garrett, peace, Garrett. We know it was a long, hard trip to get here, no matter how close you live or how nice the weather is. Before we begin with the traditional complaints about the meal, let us initiate our newest member, Prickly McCrabapple. Her resume includes surly to bed and surely to rise. Watermelon, 
Do you, Prickly McCrabapple, solemnly swear to hide your vulnerability beneath the crust of cynicism? Maybe. Vow to be free of all prejudices. To hate everyone equally. Meh. Promise to never vote for anyone. To always vote against. Bah! Refuse to manage the suspension of disbelief necessary for feigned cheerfulness. No way. Absolutely not. Whatever. Okay, fine. Prickly McCrabapple, you may now proceed with your rant. <clears throat> Start every day with a smile and get it over with. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And an onion a day will get rid of everyone else. Why is abbreviation such a long word? Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside a dog, it's too dark to read. Santa Claus has the right idea. Visit people once a year. Things are always darkest just before they go pitch black. All those in favor of admitting prickly McCrabapple into the Society of Curmudgeons Please affirm in the accustomary manner of all curmudgeons. Get off my lawn! Congratulations, Prickly McCrabapple, and welcome to the Society of Curmudgeons. Piss off. You know, Edith, when we started this podcast, a lot of people asked me, are we still going to keep doing it over the winter? Uh-huh. And we didn't know because we didn't know if we would have that much to talk about. Because so much has, gardening is so busy in the summer. Right. And there's not that much to do in the winter. But I have to say, I've been just surprised about how much gardening there is to talk about in January. Me too. Um, we've been talking about a lot of things. And our Persephone period is ending. Mm-hmm. And that means that uh, we were starting to get more than 10 hours of sunlight a day. And that means the days are getting... Longer and longer and longer, uh-huh. and soon enough, it'll be spring. But you don't have to wait for spring, do you? Coming, talking about our topic for today. That's right, because who knew you could sow seeds in the winter? I didn't know until you told me last year. <laughs> Which, um, a reminder again, folks, that if you don't know the basics of winter sowing, you can listen to our episode that was just last week that goes through the basics of it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a deeper dive into it. But in a nutshell, if you're thinking like, I don't want to listen to last week's episode, winter sowing is just a method of outdoor seed starting. Yes, but not directly in the ground because it would just die. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's too cold. Um, and um, I have looked up some frequently asked questions regarding winter sowing okay. that we can go through. And one of the most common questions that people have is when to start. Uh-huh. Okay. W- when do you start? A lot of people start on the winter solstice, December 21st, but it kind of depends on your zone. Oh, okay. Uh You don't need snow and ice or freezing temperatures to winter sow. Mm -hmm. In fact, on our December 21st, it was like like 60 degrees outside. That's right. It was really warm. You just need a season where you live that's called winter. (laughs) 
So you're saying, and I don't even know if I realize this, Christy, so you're not going to win or sow in Florida or Georgia. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just so in a season that's called winter. So we're lucky up here that we get to winter sow. Exactly right. You know, there's some nice things about living in colder climates. Yeah. But it might be that you actually have a very mild winter and there's no snow and there's no ice. It doesn't mean you can't winter sow. It just uh-huh. means that you don't have to shovel out from a snowstorm. So lucky you. Yeah. But yeah. if you have a season where you live that you go, it's winter now, so it means it's colder and milder. And there might be some parts of northern Florida where that might be applicable. Good point. Northern Good point. Texas. Uh-huh. You know, parts of Arizona. Because the winter sowing, the Albuquerque, New Mexico. They need the cold. Yes. They absolutely have to have that. Yes. Thawing and thawing and freezing for certain seeds, Edith. Okay. The stratification seeds. So um, I, I usually start around the Persephone period. I usually start around January 27th. That's usually when I do it because it's too busy at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then you have to recover from Christmas time, and I haven't gotten my seeds yet, so I usually start around the end of January, but it might mm-hmm. might change depending where when you are. When did you start last year? Um, right around uh, beginning of February. Yeah. Yeah, right around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of soil did you use? I think I used my homemade potting soil. Now, mm-hmm. last year I did it and they lived. The year before that... I tried it, but everything died. And I think one of the reasons was I didn't use the right soil. You know, it, it, it can be. I usually try to use the lightest soil possible. Uh-huh. So I think you're right about like a homemade potting soil sounds good because you can fill it up with vermiculite, mm-hmm. perlite, peat moss, and things like that to get it lighter. Yeah. Seed starting mix, that's what we talked about last week, works really well. Though at times when I have to, I just use potting soil. From that I get at the nursery or the Mm -hmm. big box soil. Um, You can even use compost, Edith. Really? Compost is great because it's so rich in nutrients and it retains moisture so well. However, it's people ask about, can you use compost? It's hard because it gets so weedy. Oh, everything will grow. So you might be just, like, my compost doesn't get that hot. Does your compost? No. I mean, we always have spaghetti squash growing in our compost. <laughs> right. The last thing I want is to winter so more, more spaghetti, spaghetti squash. squash. Yeah. So if you want to use your compost, you should, to get rid of the weeds, if you get, like, fill up a big bucket worth of compost, poil, poil, boil water. <laughs> I was trying to say. <laughs> boil, boil water. And pour it over. So you're killing the seeds. So you're killing the seeds. Oh, isn't that clever? And then you can use it. And you can also add other things to your compost to make it light. Okay. The one thing you should not use is the the soil from outside in the ground. Okay. You shouldn't use the stuff in your yard. Too heavy, right? Too heavy. Just yeah. too heavy. And you, of course, you'll get seeds with that too. Now, I need to ask you something before you go further. So I have boiled or poiled, as you said. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> I know, right? My, my compost, mm-hmm. which is now soil, mm-hmm. um, How do I need to have it dry out a little bit before? No, I don't think so. No? No. Remember that when you sow the seeds, it should be pretty moist. It should, it should look, it should look like, mm-hmm. like a brownie mix. You know, it should, you should water it pretty well. Okay. 
I'm going to try that. Try your compost in it? Yes. See what that does? Because I emptied one of my bins the other day, and it's all this beautiful, rich soil came out. I could even mix it with um, potting soil to make it lighter. Yeah. And some people also want to know, like, can I use potting soil that has fertilizer in it? And? Sure. Why not? Really? Yeah. But do you want to extra fertilize it once you put the seeds in there? No. No. Yeah. Don't do that. Just let it be. If it's already in there, why not? If it gives a little nitrogen boost to your little seedlings, that's okay. Okay. You know, I I, I personally stay away from the potting soil that has those little moisture beads in it because I like to be in control of my moisture. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Gosh, we're saying the word a lot, aren't we, Edith? The moist word? Yeah, yes, but you're we doing are. really good. I'm totally over it. I'm proud of you. I'm mature now. Yeah. I am mature. Look at me go. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, some people will also ask, do you need to soak the seeds ahead of time? Mm-hmm. And the answer is nope. None of the seeds. None of the seeds. The long, the, the seeds are in there for a long time uh-huh. with moist soil and the cold stratification. And so the seeds will absorb the moisture soon after it's being sown, you know, in the uh-huh. dampened soil. So they get it from that. And of course, snow falls on it, rain goes in it all uh-huh. winter long. And so um, if you have the soil sufficiently moist, yes, <laughs> then no pre-soaking of the seeds are necessary. Wow, e- even the seeds that are really hard, right. like even like beets cilantro and, and cilantro, like, yep, and... none of them. Oh, that's great. Okay, that's why it's such a great method. Um, other big questions that people come up is about watering. Um, so we've already just kind of talked about that it needs to be sufficiently moist. And I kind of say, like, if it looks dark, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Like thick brownie batter, right? Yes. And if it looks like dry cake batter, then it needs water. You will, you'll know that you have enough water in it if the container has condensation on it. That's how I told la- uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Because two years ago, I never watered it. I did everything wrong that time. Wrong soil, put the seeds in there, watered it, and then never watered it again. Well, if you're not seeing condensation, one reason could be that you have too many vents in it, too many drainage holes. Like I mainly use milk jugs. And so the only vent in a milk jug is the top where you've taken the the little screw top and you've gotten rid of it. Uh Uh-huh. And that's the ventilation. Um, If you use another container... You know, if you're making your own ventilation, you may have too much. So there's too much air transportation oh. in it. So if you have, if you're not seeing it, you could always tape over some of your ventilation if you're not seeing any condensation. But you don't put any holes in your milk jugs. In just the, on the bottom. the gallon. For drainage. You just do on the bottom. And you said For there drainage. could be too many. So how many? Five? About? I. You know what? That's part of the experimentation, I think, of it, Edith. Okay. Yeah, it depends on your container. It depends on how big it is, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, like the like I say, the only ventilation I have is the top of the milk jug. Okay. And then I put poke holes in the bottom for drainage. So if you're not seeing the condensation, it might be that you have too much ventilation, depending on your container. Okay. Okay. So you could always, you know, cover them up a little bit. It could also be if you're not seeing condensation, it could be that you have your jugs in way too shaded a place. Oh, okay. Or whatever container you're using. Yeah, yeah. You know where I had mine that was very successful is 
It was west facing and south. So they got sun from the south and mm. the west. And I put them right up against my uh, the back of my garage. So they were not as cold as they would have been smack in the middle. Oh, okay. You know? And I put mine um, on the on the eastern side of my garage. So they're east facing. So they get a lot of morning sun, uh -huh. but then they get afternoon shade. Okay. So, I mean, as and long as it yours gets, works, I've, I'm, yeah, I think yeah. it doesn't matter as long as you don't keep it at a completely shaded location. Okay. That okay. might be an issue too. And if that's the case, you know, just tape over a few of the slits, you know, if you mm -hmm. have slits in your container. Well, oh boy, do we have more to talk about winter sewing. But first, we have a handcrafted pop play for you. And this inspiration came because we finally got snow. In Denver metro area. Oh, we were so happy. Oh. And it was so beautiful. And I woke up and everything was so blanketed. Here is an ode to snow for everyone. It snowed. It is hanging in the trees, blanketing the ground, covering up all the outdoor projects left undone. The neighbors will forget I didn't clean up those old squash vines. Under a covering of snow, all gardens become equal. It snowed. As each snowflake fell, nitrogen hitched a ride to give my garden a gentle fertilizer to boost my plants this spring. Some of it rests on the sidewalks, inviting me to get outside and breathe in the clean, crisp air and give it a shovel. It snowed. Under that cozy comforter of white, the roots of my perennials, bulbs, ground covers, and strawberry plants are protected. And forsooth, my forsythia too. It snowed, protecting my trees and shrubs with winter's mulch. Mother Nature at work. It snowed, and the snow helps conserve the soil's moisture over the winter. It snowed, and I can put my mind to reading and cooking, and cleaning out closets, and children and football, and a cozy night in front of the fireplace, and memorizing my lines for a play, and pouring over seed catalogs, because it snowed. Watering, actually watering. So if you go out there and you see that your milk jugs or your containers are look like dry cake batter. And also, you can also see like if they've been like pulling away from the containers from, a little uh -huh, bit. Uh -huh. And you go, these are dry, they need to be watered. Some common mistakes about it would be to just take out the hose and just pour it right in. Mm -hmm. And the danger of doing that is that you could be washing away the seeds. I've done that before. And so what I get is I get all the seeds have grown up in the side. They've all washed, <laughs> but they wa they've gone underneath. So I have uh -huh. this ring of seedlings coming up from underneath. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's good to dribble down the side, the water. Drib so if you pour it in, like if you have a milk jug, you can tip it to the side. Uh -huh. Or you can try to water so it dribbles down the side. If you, okay. you're using like a soda, a two-liter soda bottle. You know, tip it over and then let the water drip. And, you know, because they can get the water up from underneath. They can soak the water up from underneath. Just so you're not washing the seeds away. That's kind of. Oh, that's good. A little better. Yeah, that's good. A little better technique. Um, and give it a good soaking. 
mm-hmm. when you do water because any excess water will just seep through the drainage holes. So, okay, make sure that you give make sure you give it a, make sure you give it a good soaking. Um, it is possible to if it, it can get too soggy or wet. This doesn't happen in our neck of the woods, Edith. But imagine if you live in a part of the country where it just won't stop raining. Oh, or even what if it's just really humid? That true too. Yes, uh-huh. right. Um, if it's raining for days and days and days and days, uh-huh. and the soil looks too soggy, uh, then I suggest poking more drainage holes in the bottom. Okay, but it but you don't suggest putting the cap back on. No, 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 no. Yeah, you no, never no. do that. Yeah. Okay. Because it needs to breathe. Okay. Yeah. Um, you never need to put that cap back on. You always need to have some sort of ventilation. Okay. Even if you tape over some of the slits, you know what I mean? Or, or if you're using a two-liter bottle, mm-hmm. um, always leave that cap back. Le- always leave it off. Okay. Another question that people will have is, when do you open them up? So when do you take off the giant lids? Mm-hmm. And when did you do yours? Did you take the When I'm ready yours? to plant them. When they ah. look to me like they're strong enough to make it in the garden. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So I kind of think of the size of a seedling at a nursery. Oh, great. Because one year I did it and I think I got them too small and I planted it. And they were so used to that nice, cozy atmosphere Mm -hmm. in the jug. They couldn't take it Mm. in the harshness of my front lawn. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't take it. You may want to consider this year, Edith, to let them like, like, it's sort of like taking them out for a walk. Like letting him have a little vacation is remove, you know, remove the hinge from the milk jug or, or take off the top of the, you know, the lid of the two liter bottle. Or if you're using, um, you know, uh, to go trays, you know, take yeah. the lid off when the temperatures get to be the upper fifties and sixties. Yeah. So that you don't fry the plant. So you don't fry it inside. Yes. Of it's when the temperatures get to be sixties or seventies. Oh, oh, that's upper 50s. Upper, upper 50s and 60s. Lo- 60s. I start during the day to to open them up and let them breathe a little bit. Uh-huh. Let them go. I just say, you guys want to go for a walk? And I just open them up and let them hang out there. You have to cover them back up at night. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's like a little greenhouse or like a little yeah. cold, cold frame. Yeah. It's a, you know, that's a really good point, Edith. You know, like in a greenhouse, what they do sometimes is they open up those larger windows. They do, yeah. You know, to vent things out. And mm-hmm. so sometimes you just need to give everything a big vent. Okay. That's really that's really good to know. Um, I And I the more I think about it, the more I love the idea of putting them in a takeout container because that's so easy to open. And I like that. Rather than untape. Untaping. Rather than untape the milk yeah. jug, you could just yeah. lift the lid. That sounds great. And once I start opening up, I don't retape. I just let the you lid just, close oh, down. Oh, you just close. Yeah, because okay. that's a lot of work. I remember <laughs> one time last year when we got a freak. Oh, it was so cold. Mm. Remember that? And um, I went out there and I covered them with a blanket. Very smart. Now, some people will go, oh my gosh, it's snowing out. Do I need to cover them? You don't need to cover them if it snows. Right. Right. The snow actually is a great insulator, provides moisture. That's the part that freaks people out is that leave them out in the snow. But we're talking about once they've germinated. Yeah. Once you have little seedlings and the temperature gets in the 20s, you're going to either need to, one, cover them with a blanket, or two, I've just moved them in the garage. That's good. Yeah. 
or or put them on like a, you know, if you have like a all season porch, uh-huh. I wouldn't bring them inside because that'll just that's too much. That'll yeah. just mess them up. Yeah, right. Yeah. But only if it gets super super cold and you have seedlings, because I have lost a lot of I almost lost almost lost my entire winter sowing crop because of oh. a late spring frost, and I thought, oh, they should be okay, and oh wow, they were mad. Yeah, yeah, they died. <laughs> Yeah, they but died. a blanket is perfect. Um, how did you do with late? How many did you do last year? I only did five. Did you did you label them? Yes. And did the labeling? What did you label them with? I had a marker, and I also labeled. I would when I unhinged the jug. Mm-hmm. I also labeled it on the inside. Oh, that's so smart. Inside and outside, because the outside will sometimes fade away. Oh, mine do all the time. And then you have no idea. You have no idea what they are. I have, it still happens to me. So what you may have to be, because I have never found a permanent marker that Uh will protect against the Colorado winter sun. It gets, folks, we get so much sun up here. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's great. We're at a mile high and the sun just, Mm mm-hmm takes away anything you would have on there. So I always have to remind myself if I see them fading, yeah, especially around like around Marchish, I have to I will rewrite over it. Yep. Another tip I heard is to get some uh, freezer tape or some duct tape mm-hmm. and write the name of the plant and stick it on the bottom. Oh, that's good. That's really but good. But you yeah. have to be careful because you don't want to cover up the holes. Right. Your drainage holes. Right. But if you have it also on the bottom, then you have a backup. I've also seen people who will put something on inside. I think people will do this with um, window blinds. If you have old window blinds, yeah, you can cut them up into a little label yeah. and write the label and then stick it in the soil and inside the... Oh, that's really good. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Because who, you know, who doesn't have old blinds laying around? Um, another thing that people will ask a lot is how foolproof is winter sowing? What would you say? You know, I would say that be prepared for some failure, just mm-hmm. like all gardening. Yeah. You know, um, you try things, you know, winter sowing is just like all gardening. You try some things, you go, that didn't work. You know, don't beat yourself up over it. Mm-hmm. I think especially if you're trading seeds with friends. Yeah. Or you have your own seeds because, um, you know, some things might, sometimes you get, might get a seed from somebody that just is genetically sterile, right? Right. You might get seeds that weren't gathered properly. I know I always don't gather seeds properly. I think I'm finally figuring out how to gather zinnia seeds. <laughs> yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> right. Although, although I, I, zinnias was one of my successes last year that's with, great, the, yeah. with the winter sowing. Um, it could also be that they get, flats can get overheated. Mm-hmm. So that can be very common. There can be a freak heat wave mm-hmm. in Colorado as much as there can be a freak cold wave. So they can, you know, a seed can get fried up. Um, sometimes, you know, I try growing seeds that aren't necessarily good in my zone just for fun. Yeah. Right. You know, recommended that you try to winter sow seeds that are good in your zone. However, every now and then, try something that's out of your zone. It's kind of fun to see yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, maybe you might ha- not have as much success for that. Um, oh, I'll also say this is that people will ask questions about the light requirements for winter sowing. Because if you get a seed packet and it'll say to start indoors 
right? Or the plant needs these kind of seed, this kind of light requirements, uh -huh. you know, like, well, when I start them inside, you know, the seed packet says I need this many hours of light and things like that. Do you know what the light requirements for winter sowing are? What? None. That's the best part about it. It's the best part. You don't have to buy a grow light. You don't have to do any of that stuff. And Mother Nature knows when to start those seeds. It's yeah. about, there's a lot of trust that happens in winter sowing and about trusting the process mm -hmm. that happens. So you don't need to worry at all, no matter what the light requirements, what they are. And the last thing I'll say about it is that, what about spring and summer sowing in the same method? Where, does it work? Yes. I do it. I still call it winter sowing. Yeah. But it's spring sowing outside. I do it in March. I do it in April. I do it in June. Wow. Um, and and I, you, know, just do, you just do um, more tender annuals. So that's when I would do um, zinnias. Oh, that's... Oh, because I did my zinnias in the deep winter last year. You know, Christy, if you do them like later on, like April and May, then by June, July, there are beautiful size. That could be a gift. Think of the gift that that would be giving a winter jug, winter jug, oh, a winter sewing jug. Wouldn't that be full great of for Mother's plants. Day? Yes. That's a great Mother's Day gift. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chris and Gretchen, if you're listening here, now you know what to get your mom for Mother's Day. <laughs> yes. Start, start some winter sewing for me. Yeah. So hopefully that this or these answer some of the more deeper questions about winter sewing. But friends, if you have more questions that we haven't answered, uh, feel free to write us. Yeah. And and please do winter sew. Do you, how many winter sew drugs are you going to do this year? Do you think? I'm going to do about 10. I'm going to do another 30. Wow. Maybe more. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I have a lot of jugs. Yeah. So. I don't have that many jugs. Oh, I'll give you some. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. jugs to spare. <laughs> I'll okay. show you mine if you show me yours, Edith. Okay, will do. <laughs> oh, my God, Edith. What? Guess what time it is. I don't know. What is it? It's mailbag time. Oh, ring, ring. Christy, look, I have a letter right here. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> well, here we go. Oh, my goodness. I know. This is from our friend Doug, who lives in the Tennessee area. Doug from Tennessee. Yeah, what did we call him? We called him our... The Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. Of Upside Down Tulips, because he's still so much. Yes. And the last time he wrote us, he was telling us all about his pawpaw trees. Which I had never... I thought that was like a... I didn't even know that was a real thing. Right. It sounds tree. like... But it, a, but a pawpaw tree is um, a North American tree that um, has fruit that is like... If they say it's kind of like the cross between... A mango and a banana, right? Yes. Yes, apparently it has. Well, we he introduced this to us, and now he's writing about this right now. He says, we got 12 pawpaws. I just love saying that. We got 12 <laughs> pawpaws. Pawpaw. Pawpaw. From our trees this year, enough to actually try cooking something with them. We decided to make pawpaw bread using a banana bread recipe and just writing pawpaw. <laughs> I love it. Wherever the recipe said banana. We looked through the recipe carefully and said, yep, got that, got that, ready to go. I was assembling everything, getting ready to bake. When we got to the part requiring a cup and a half of white flour. Looking in the canister, I realized we only had a half cup of flour in the bag. Happens to me all the time. Me too. It was too late to run to the store for more flour as things were about to hit the oven. A guy would say that, right? 
hit the oven. <laughs> In the next few minutes, so we looked around for whatever we could substitute. Rye flour didn't seem like a good idea, nor hmm. did cornmeal. Hmm. We had some masa, a very fine corn flour used in Latin cooking, but that didn't seem right He's either. got a lot of flour there. I'm impressed. Nobody has this much flour. I didn't expect a man from Tennessee to have masa <laughs> or know what it was. Right, yeah. Um, we finally decided on some almond flour we had. I have almond flour. I do not, as we didn't have any idea on what else to do with the almond flour. <laughs> Which is really just finely ground almonds. None of what we had had enough gluten to let the dough rise appreciably. So we figured we just might as well use something we had no other use for. You know, that's good. Get it out of your house if you can't use it. Absolutely. But also, side note, Doug, you can make macarons with almond flour. A guy that says, hit the oven, ain't going to be making no macarons. <laughs> Okay. Doug's going to come back and he's going to write us this huge <laughs> yeah. letter. Yeah, he's going to send us a box of Macron. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not done with the letter, Christy. Here okay. we go. Oddly to me, the loaf of pawpaw bread did rise somewhat in the oven, but when I took it out to cool down, it fairly qu quickly collapsed like pretty much every souffle I've ever made. Okay, maybe he'll make Macrons. He makes souffles. We cut it and ate it anyway, and it tasted fine. The consistency was somewhere between fudge and pudding rather than <laughs> banana bread. But hey, you get what you get. You get what you get, Doug. That's going to be my mantra for the year. You get what you get. You want a banana bread, but you get banana fudge. I love pawpaw paw fudge. Yeah, pawpaw paw fudge. Ooh, got to I say pawpaw again. This I is a great letter. I didn't know you could make so many things out of pawpaw. But my, they kind of call it poor man's banana. My sister made something from it, like a pudding, and she said it tasted citrusy and delicious. Hmm. Mm. Well, I wish I could have some pawpaws, but you can't grow them in our zone. No pawpaws in zone 5B. Right, yeah. But, you know, you can also, you can make beer out of them, Doug. I read that, too. So, Doug, uh -huh. please make beer out of your pawpaws and send it to us. And send it to us. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing, Doug. Why doesn't everybody be like Doug yes. and write us a letter? If you have questions about winter sewing, pawpaw recipes, successes, flops, questions, write us a letter already. Upside down tulips at gmail or upside down tulips.com. And now for our inspiration for the week, here's Christy. This inspiration comes from Rumi the 13th century Persian poet. Don't think the garden loses its ecstasy in winter. It's quiet, but the roots are down there riotous. Oh, I like that. Almost as much as I like your ode to snow. <laughs> I like rioting roots. Yeah, I, I like thinking it. of the roots down there right now, just having a party. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montre Larson. And folks, if you like this week's episode, if you got some value and some laughs, could you do us a favor? Send some money, won't you? Hit that subscribe. <laughs> well, why not? That's what we're asking for. Well, or you could also, hit that. What? Yes, right. They okay. could hit the like, subscribe. Hit the like, subscribe, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. Very good. <laughs> and thank you to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. Want more? Who doesn't? 
Go to denisegentlemanly.com or find that link at upsetdowntulips.com. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. Special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Best Nursery in the City, Southwest Gardens. And join us next week for a new episode that will amaze and delight you. I'm amazed and I'm delighted already. I know, right? Yay. Do you have a, do you have a thrill in your mouth? I have an amuse-bouche. One more. <laughs> Christy, don't what? forget. What? What? Don't forget. If you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Upside down.